This is Alan Cawley and you're listening to the League of Ireland Goalmouth Podcast. Soccer has rarely mentioned now the League of Ireland gets about a couple of seconds on the radio. It feels as if when you play down south as more a European style of play. That, that is a phrase that I've heard many of times. Galway is back where they belong. Can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. They made it very hard for me to come here. I fought my way through the mill to make it happen. The Irish players survived the final week of Premier League action and the focus now turns swiftly on Euro 2016 as the preparation begins. Shamrock Rovers are struggling to enforce themselves as title contenders while it's the FAI Cup action this weekend. You're listening to the Goal Ireland podcast. I'm Dave O'Grady. You can follow Goal Ireland on Facebook and you can tweet us. We're at Goalcom Ireland on Twitter. I'll be chatting shortly to the Irish footballer who set a new transfer record in the USA, but I'm delighted to be joined first on on Goal Ireland by Trevor Murray. Trevor, how are you getting on this week? Yeah, I'm pretty good, Dave. Thanks for having me. Well, Trevor, the curtain came down on the English Premier League last weekend, featuring a a rarity, it has to be said, as two Irish goalkeepers played in the same match. Shea Given was on the winning team as Stoke defeated Darren Randolph and West Ham United 2-1. He put in an excellent performance by all accounts. Now, it's fair to say, Trevor, the goalkeeping position is one that has cropped up from time to time, and it seems to be a bit of a competitive one uh, coming close to the Euros. But would you give the number? Who would you give the number one jersey to? Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose first of all, I suppose it's great to to have seen the two goalkeepers in action. Um, like you said, it was a bit of a rarity. Um, so to see them getting. The minutes uh, in the lead up to to the Euros was great. Um, I suppose I probably wouldn't rock the boat too much with with my choice. I'd probably go with Randolph as the number one. Um, obviously, when when Given got the the injury um, in the in the Germany game in the qualif- qualifiers, uh, Randolph stepped up to the plate. And it's such a big game. I think uh, it. He probably really attracted a lot of Irish fans after that performance to be able to step up in such a big game. Yeah, I mean, it, of course it didn't hurt that he got the assist for, uh, for Shane Long's goal. <laughs> I don't know about that one. I mean, as uh, the G- Germany coach would say, Louv, he'd make the point, well, it was their about their 100th long ball at that stage and it paid off. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You know, so I mean, obviously that was a was a great memory, uh, and Randolph was was key to it. So, but he was he was there after that. He was kind of um, he was the number one choice um, from there on um, from there on in really. Um, so he, he'd be my number one choice. Um, obviously, given coming back uh, to the fold is going is going to be a good boost. So I definitely bring him. Uh, and then it's just a toss up between uh, between Westwood or Ford and K- Kieran uh, Westwood playing in the playoff final. I mean, he he's been very good. It has to be said. Watching him there for Sheffield Wednesday, a lot of Irish fans will be saying he's now nudged ahead of David Ford. Yeah, um, I suppose you know it'd be fair enough to say that. I'd be a bit biased because uh, the Galway United connection. Yeah, with Ford, I was I was, uh, I was expecting that down the line, Trevor. <laughs> in fairness. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't like to be in O'Neill's shoes, really, um, to be to be um, making that decision. But 
I mean, you, you have to trust. You'd have to trust him at this stage. I mean, he he's led the team this far, and he's he's been pretty nailed on with a lot of the selections. I know some people will be a bit disappointed about some of them, but whoever he picks, I think it'll be for the for the benefit of the whole team. Um, obviously, you know, whoever gets left out, left out will be disappointed, but you know. That's 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 just all part of the role, I suppose. Can you remember Kieran Westwood's last game for Ireland? I might be completely off the mark here, but I, I know he start he had that unenvious task of being in goals that night. We were destroyed at home by Germany six one. But I'm not too sure he played too many games after that. You're probably right, Dave. I mean. If I'm honest, I can't rightly remember when it was the last time he was involved. But even I was looking back over the uh, the squads for for say the last eight to ten games, um, and from what I could see, he was nowhere to be seen. So, judging by that, even um, I'd say O'Neill maybe he has his mind already made up. Um, Westwood has had a bad run with injuries. In fairness, yeah. but you know, yeah. to to have him fit at this time and to be playing playing a, a, a key part in a hugely strong finish uh, from Sheffield Wednesday in the Championship. Anyone else would say that pushes him in, but I mean, is is it going to be a case that O'Neill will only bring three, and perhaps because David Ford was involved in more games during this campaign, uh, Westwood could lose out? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's a question of whether O'Neill's going to stick by his um, sort of you know philosophy of uh, I know we talked about it the last time you were saying it's a bit Trapattoni-esque that he's kind of looking to keep the guys that have been there for longer um, so I mean if, if he sticks by that then I suppose Ford would probably be um, the first choice in that regard yeah speaking of Sheffield Wednesday of course they've reached the championship final uh, defeating Brighton and Hove Albion over two legs Kieran Westwood playing very well but one Sheffield Wednesday player that wasn't playing was Aidan McGeady he was nowhere to be seen either match and did not even make the bench because I was checking it on multiple live apps and I was watching the matches live Trevor where is Aidan McGeady and should Martin O'Neill look elsewhere for the summer? Yeah, I mean, he, I think he's only made uh, like whatever 13, 14, 15 appearances for them since he left Everton. Um, it's been a bit of a disappointment, really. Um, even going back to when McGeady, um first joined Everton, you know, um, it was it was a pretty big move for him, really. It was um, they're like there's Everton are a big club, and it was a great opportunity for him to uh, to kind of regain his mojo. Um, as it turned out, obviously Everton had a woeful season by their standards, and maybe that hampered him a bit. But if you're looking at it the other way, then he had a great opportunity to uh, get into that starting eleven because a lot of the players were underperforming, and he didn't do it. So I mean, if you do bring him, is he going to be able to turn it on uh, like that? I don't. I don't know. I'm not so sure, but. In terms of other options, um, it'd be looking pretty slim. I don't that, know. Yeah, about, I think that's a that's a very fair point, Trevor. The only concern I have, and I know a lot of other Irish fans are going to have this one, is they, they see McGeady as a confidence player, and for a confidence player to be rusty is really no use in such when there's so much on the line. Absolutely, yeah. I mean. Yeah, it definitely is is a confidence thing, and and like you were saying, he is that kind of player that that feeds off that. So I can't, I just can't see him turning it on. But I mean, in terms of other names, 
I, I'm I, about I, a loss, really. Yeah, me too. Me too. And in terms of wingers, I know he does like to play, Martin O'Neill does like to play Jonathan Walters on the wing, which is definitely an option there. But I mean, I think McGeady probably will go. And if he can give him decent game time against the Dutch, get him in that game, maybe a full 90 minutes against Belarus, you know, it might sharpen him up and Martin O'Neill might see something uh, in training from him. So I'll, I'll put it to you, Trevor, Aidan McGeady, yes or no in the 23-man squad? Uh, yes, but um, only because I honestly can't think of anybody else. But I mean, just just... <laughs> you're pushing me for for a very uh, kind of accurate yeah, okay. response. You've you've a, you've pre- you've selected yes with a, a warning sticker <laughs> a attached. Warning. Okay, thanks a million for that, Trevor. Uh, despite a great season, Mark Noble was once again overlooked by England, and he's been linked with Ireland in the past. I don't know how many times I've read this in papers and indeed on goal Ireland. It's fair to say, should Martin O'Neill be trying to get the West Ham midfielder to switch to Ireland? We see it a lot on tr- on Twitter. Trevor, I had an argument with the lads uh, with Ronan Murphy on the Goal Ireland podcast last week when it was um, they were trying to get young Hogan uh, to join Ireland when I and I read out some quotes there uh, of, of a player who never really ever expressed uh, a want and I guess that's the same with Mark Noble, you know, he's never really expressed any interest but that's just my opinion. What do you make about the whole thing? Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't even say it's a question of um, should he should O'Neill be trying to bring Noble in. I'd say it's more of a case of uh, he's probably already tried to do it. I mean, we we talked about this type of thing uh, on the last podcast I was on um, with you, and we were talking about Jamie Verdi and about how Jamie Verdi had been approached in the past, and Harry Kane uh, as well. And Harry Kane, and, and you know, obviously I've come, that come to think out. of it, Ireland could have had a, a fairly heavy, heavy hitting side if all these players, you know, did declare. But again, you know, you're asking them to declare for a country that they weren't born and brought up in. You know, it can't. None of that can, I suppose, go back on the player. We can't criticize any player for not wanting to do that. No, absolutely not. I mean, you know, I mean, if it's a case of. Uh, who you'd prefer to represent, obviously, a lot of their hearts are set on, on England and, you know, like you say, you can't blame them for it. But it, it is good to see um, the uh, the proactive uh, nature of the scouting that's going on, that these guys are being approached. Um, but again, I think the uh, the O'Neill line of bringing players um, and kind of giving the opportunities to players who have been there and who have put themselves forward will kind of go against um, will kind of go against bringing on players like Noble etc down the line because it just doesn't look like they want to be involved so uh, yeah particularly see. those type of players we see a few who've been who've previously turned down Ireland in the past I mean should we draw a line over that when it's been said um, thanks but no thanks uh, should we be approaching them at a kind of, should I say, a vulnerable stage in in Mark Noble's career. Yeah, I mean, it's no harm um, to put it bluntly. I suppose it's no harm to keep pursuing them. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt. And there's always the opportunity that that they will come on board. I know some people maybe wouldn't be too happy to see us um, collecting the, the maybe the, the dregs. Maybe that's too uh, too harsh a word, but the. The leftovers that England haven't selected, people wouldn't like to see that happening. But whether we like it or not, these guys are good players and 
it, w- it would benefit us to have them. There has been a couple of dodgy names though in the past, Trevor. Uh, Jamie O'Hara, mm. I remember. He was, t- he was, you know, maybe orchestrating a little bit of interest in himself at, at the time. And then I, Jermaine Pennant was a, was my, was one of my favourites, <laughs> to be honest, which uh, the guy who left a... He he left a, a sporty car in back in Spain because he didn't want have anywhere to put it, so he just left it at the airport when he was returning back to Britain. Uh, but anyway, there's been a, a lot of those type of names, and I don't. I, I'd kind of agree with you in the sense that a policy shouldn't be put in place. Say, yeah, ask them once and no, but we should always never, ever, ever, as Jack Grealish would tell you, never get your hopes up around a player like that. Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. We'll be right back here. You're listening to the Goal Ireland podcast. This is Cambridge United's Garrod Morrissey, and you're listening to the Goal Mount podcast. There's definitely players in the League of Ireland, not just in Dundalk, that are, that are good enough to play international football. I think it's improving by the fact that when lads go away, they're nearly a shoe to be called in in the next couple of months, you know. I honestly don't know what's going on in the club and I'm glad to be rid of it to be honest. Cork have a huge advantage down there. They're obviously the only team in the capital. My biggest problem up here with the Dublin teams and it's through no fault of their own but they're oversaturated. Dublin is oversaturated with clubs. Joining me now on the Goal Ireland podcast is former League of Ireland star who's been around the world and is now part of an exciting new chapter in his career after joining Miami FC. Richie Ryan, it's good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on, on, Dave. I have to firstly congratulate you on your move to Miami. Miami, one of the newest clubs in the North American Soccer League. How excited are you to be there? Yeah, it's uh, it's obviously it, it. the move came as a bit of a shock to me. Um but been here now for a few days. I've trained with the group, played my first game at the weekend, and uh, really excited to be here and looking forward to looking forward to turning the season around. And you've already made history there, Richie, as the transfer saw you become the NASL's record signing so far. Uh, do you believe there's a bit of extra pressure on you now after hearing that? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I'm not really one to to dwell on things like that. To be honest, Dave. Um, I just go out and I play football and hopefully I can keep doing that and that's a that's, that's all I can do. What's been the initial impressions of the club? I mean, obviously, uh, Miami have a, a big mission statement and, you know, they want yeah. to develop football in the area and get the, I get I guess, get a whole state almost behind them. But what's been the initial um, feelings from you towards the club? I mean, what's it been like early on? Uh, well, like I said, I've only been here since last last Thursday afternoon. I, I arrived, so I trained with the team a couple of times. Obviously, made the met the the coaching staff and everything, and we had we had our first away game at the weekend. And I could tell straight away that everything is is very professional and everything is done properly. I think the players they're not left uh, they're not left without anything that you need. Um, so uh, yeah, I think everything is done properly, and I think. I think we just need to we need to gel together a little bit better on the pitch and, and start tor- turning the results around. You'll be playing under Alessandro Nesta, the former yeah. I- Italy and Milan legend, Richie. You don't get much bigger names than that. <laughs> what was your first response when you heard that Nesta was interested in you? Um, it's uh, two, two names that I never thought I'd hear in the same sentence, to be honest. Uh, my name and, and <laughs> Alessandro Nesta. Um, no, obviously to... To be wanted by to be wanted by a manager like that and somebody that's done done what the manager's done in the game for them to be interested in you it's a it's a privilege. 
um, and something like I said I, I never really thought I'd I'd be working with somebody like that in my career so it's a, it's an honor to be here to and a chance for me to a chance for me to learn learn more about the game under somebody who's won won pretty much everything in the game and when you look at someone like Nesta and I guess there's probably a big aura about him and a confidence, you know, it's, it's I'd say, very easy to fall under the belief of Miami when they have people like that involved. Yeah, I think obviously that's when you're Alessandro Nesta and you apply for a job, then people, people <laughs> are definitely going to take you serious, you know. Um, but since the last few days I've, I've been here and I met him, he's very he's obviously very professional in the way that he works and on the training pitch he's he's very intense in the way that he coaches and he wants he wants everything to be of a high standard every day which you would expect from somebody that's been at the been at the level he's been at for his whole career yeah i mean does he share much of his experience on in the train i know you've only been there for a short time or it, it does he go back and and talk about his experiences or is it you know very simple messages that he that he's getting to you as you said richie it's quite a new squad and uh, it's important that you guys gel is there any particular messages that nesta is is sharing with you guys um the, the one thing i noticed uh, obviously they, we've we've been struggling in the first part of the season so far but his calmness before the game on before the game on Saturday night, and I remember him saying the last thing he said to us was, "Go out and go out and enjoy yourselves. It's fo- it's football. It's not war. So go out and enjoy yourselves and play football with a smile on your face." And to to hear that coming from coming from someone like him, it's a uh, it makes you feel a little bit more relaxed. I suppose for himself, you know, to take a job like this, he really enjoys the challenge and I guess it's something that's really easy to, to buy into. And for yourself, at, at, I guess you've quite a lot of experience in football already, Richie, um, but no doubt a good few years ahead of you, it has to be said. What do you feel? So. <laughs> what do you feel you can learn from working with Nesta? Everything. I think I, I, as a footballer, you, you can learn from from every every manager every manager has a different style and a different way of playing and and different different mannerisms that you can pick up on to make you a better player and to help to help your teammates on the field and stuff so um i think everybody at the club can can learn from the manager's experiences and and hopefully turn us into into a team that can push for the playoffs by the end of the season and you know, because you have worked with some very good managers in the past, you know, you, you a huge amount of experience there. But I guess this is a whole new, it's a whole new ball game for you, Richie. And with someone like Nesta there, I guess it's is is it fair to say it's bringing a, a new lease of life into your career? Yeah, like there's no hiding the fact. Obviously, I'm coming towards the end of my career over the next few years. So to get this opportunity at at 31 to work with work with somebody that's that's won everything in the game. It's um, it's a privilege and, and something that I'm going to embrace and, and take take great great pride in every day and working with somebody of of his level of professionalism and, and his knowledge of the game. So, I think for for coaching in the future, if if that's what I want to move into, I think I I should be able to learn a lot from from somebody like Nesta. And the move itself to Miami, how did that really come about? I know you had been involved with uh, Jacksonville Armada at the start yeah. of the season. Was this an opportunity that just kind of presented itself for, for you and it was something you couldn't turn down? Well, I, I'll be honest with you, Dave. I, I was putting, putting my little girl to bed on, on Wednesday night and I got a, I got a phone call from, from Jacksonville, from the, the general manager and, the, and the, the head coach there. 
saying that they wanted to come around and speak to me. So um, that was the first I knew about it. And mm. the next thing, I, I was on a flight to Miami. I was on a flight to Miami on Thursday morning. So that's uh, that's how quick it happened. Um, but now now I'm here and and looking forward to this challenge. Well, so it's been a, a quite a roller coaster week to say the least for you, Richie. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it has. It's been a it's been a hectic few days, but uh, I, I think that's that's football in general. It's a, it's a hectic business. You never know what's around the corner. So. Well, Miami certainly seem to be putting all the the correct foundations in place. They've got their star-studded ownership, the unbelievable management team, and now a star Irish player. Where do you where do you see the the club going in the next few years? Surely it has to be onwards and upwards. I think that's the I think that's the plan. That's the plan for the club. Um, like I said, everything here is is top notch. The they're building or they're they're working on the training side of things they've got a good training facility and stuff like that so um like like you said with the owner and stuff i I think he's planning for the future but obviously it's up to us as players to to make sure that we're successful on the pitch and then it's easier for for everybody else to make the club become bigger one of the things we always talk about on the goal ireland podcast is league of ireland players and you know where's the next step and players that want to travel around and i know for so many years the obvious destination has been britain uh but as the you know we've had other irish players that have played in the nasl recently with uh colin falvey a former a former teammate of yours lining out for the indy 11 and do you think the nasl now is, is a good destination for irish players i mean there is a lot of advantages some that you've already mentioned in terms of the facilities and that and, and, and getting a good brand of football do you think more Irish should perhaps expand their horizons by moving to the USA um, I, I, I think so Dave yeah I think it's it's obviously a different way of life over here as well but the, the football over here and like you, all you have to do is look at the look at the MLS and, and now the NASL it's grown it's grown from strength to strength each season there's new clubs coming in each year and the foundations are there for for the game to grow rapidly over here, um, and for me, I'm privileged and honoured to be a part of it and see it grow over see it grow over the last three seasons I've been here, and I've got I'm good friends with a few of the boys that are that are playing over here. Obviously, Colin Falvey, I think James Chambers is in the USL along with Derek Foran and Neil Davran, who who I played with back home in Ireland. So I think it's becoming a little bit more popular, and a lot a lot more players are looking to looking to make the change. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. I remember opening a paper one day, Richie, and seeing uh, Sean St. Ledger uh, giving a jockey back to Kaka, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I, it was like, wow, I never thought I'd see those players on the same team, but it just goes to show the opportunities that have emerged. I guess it's also special to be part of a, a great atmosphere that's emerging around soccer in America now. It seems to be going from strength to strength. Do you think one day it could perhaps rival European football? Um, maybe maybe one day, Dave. I think there's a, there's a lot of work to a lot of work that needs to to go into it for that to happen, and maybe maybe some changes that need to be made. In my opinion, with the with the system over here and clubs not really having academies and stuff like that, so it's hard to it's hard to produce players. Um, but I, I'm sure these are all things that the the authorities are looking at and and will will take into consideration to make the to make the game grow. 
and certainly you know for Irish players um, in the League of Ireland we've seen they have moved to different places but do you think a lot of them are restricting themselves by staying in Ireland or even the UK you know some Irish players in the League of Ireland they tend to they'll move to the lower leagues in England and they'll kind of stay there and that's the way the, the their career pans out do you think more should be uh, flying the nest and, and trying to make that trip across the Atlantic? Um, like, like I said, Dave, I, I think it's becoming a little bit more popular now, so I think you'll see it a little bit more frequently. Um, but it, it also depends on on the situations in in these players' lives and stuff, whether they have families and stuff like yeah. that. And it, it's obviously it's a big it's a big it's a big risk to take if you have a family to to move all the way across to North America. If it doesn't work out for you, where do you go from there? You know. Yeah, big time. Uh, I think it's a, it, it is a huge risk and, and something certainly that needs to be talked about a lot before uh, making a huge decision. Now, you, you used to play, obviously, for Sligo Rovers and, indeed, yeah. Shamrock Rovers. Do you keep an eye on the old League of Ireland anymore? Of course, uh, it's been very interesting in the past few seasons. Yeah, I, I keep up to date with it every week. I, I watch Soccer Republic as much as I can whenever I, whenever I have time, whenever the little one goes to sleep, so... Um, no, I keep up to the league every week and look at the results and, and see who's scoring and, and who's doing well at, at all my former clubs. It's nice to nice to see Sligo hitting a, hitting a good run of form now and getting themselves back up the league after a, after a rocky start. And, and for Shamrock Rovers, hopefully, hopefully they can stay close enough at the top that they can have a good race at the end of the season for the title. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, and you know, if we've seen the dominance of Dundalk and an incredible. Yeah, I, think, uh, I think the domin the dominance from from Dundalk has been brilliant to see. It's a it's a club that's that's really stepped it up over the last few years, and I think it's important. Like a big thing, a big thing back home is a lot of players sign contracts from on a year to year basis, and I think you see at Dundalk, they've got the same core of players that have been there for the for the past three seasons when they've dominated. I think that's in, that's important. They've they've kept them players together, and and that's why they've had the the success they've had over the last few years. And that also, I guess, Richie changes the mentality of League of Ireland a little bit. Considering, you know, there, there we have been in this situation where any type of interest from abroad in any League of Ireland player, and they'd be gone in a second. There wouldn't be a second thought. But I mean, I know obviously you had Richie Tell go uh, abroad, yeah. but but the majority of that core team stuck around, and you know that's a men- mental challenge. And it seems to be it seems to be there in Dundalk, and perhaps a few more clubs as well yeah I, I think you see maybe a little bit of Cork City now as well they, they've seen to they're always there thereabouts with Dundalk over the last couple of years but it, it's important it's important for the league to have that stability amongst the clubs and the stability with the clubs brings stability for players so I think that's what you see with the likes of Daryl Horgan and stuff like that for them, for them players to stay with Dundalk for the last few seasons it's I think they need they need a lot of credit as well that they've they've shown great loyalty to stay with the clubs and um, that's why they're they're playing the football that they are absolutely and you know certainly a lot of recognition should go their way for that for yourself yeah. Richie uh, before I let you go you mentioned you're in your you're 31 now and you know you're coming to the end hopefully there's a good few years left in the tank what I do hope you so. what do you plan on doing when you hang up your boots is it you mentioned coaching early on is that a is that something that you have your eye on yeah it's definitely definitely something that I have my eye on Dave. Um, I've got to make sure, make sure that I have all the qualifications before I finish playing. That's the 
that's the plan and hopefully hopefully I can build enough connections over here that somebody will trust me to to put me put me in with a team to to give my knowledge of the game when I when I do have to hang up the boots. Indeed. Well, we wish you the very best of luck, Richie. It's been a roller coaster of a, a recent few weeks for you, but uh, yeah. no doubt it's all going to be worthwhile. A, an incredible project going on there at Miami FC. It really is exciting stuff, particularly uh, they seem to be running the club well in all fronts. Uh, a big fan of their social media as well, I have to say. Uh, thanks a million yeah. for joining us on the Goal Island podcast, and we look forward to keeping up with your progress and chatting to you again soon. No problem, Dave. Thanks very much for having me on. You're listening to the Goal Ireland podcast. I'm Dave O'Grady. You heard Richie Ryan there talking about Irish players moving to the USA and, and to further their playing career. Trevor Murray, interesting stuff there from Richie. Obviously, there's going to be excitement around Irish players moving abroad, but do you think more young Irish talent should be considering a career in the NASL and maybe hopefully then an, the, an MLS career as an option kind of rather than the English lower leagues or even Scotland? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of um, opportunities, I suppose, out there for guys who are willing to, uh, to make those moves uh, further afield. Um, I think it was the last time I was on, we were talking about even Jack Byrne. I know it's not... Uh, the USA or, or Scotland, but um, he's he's uh, over in in the Netherlands at the moment, and he's um, producing some good stuff. So there are opportunities out there um, for these kind of guys. And Does it see, do much for their international prospects, though, Trevor? Yeah, um, do I think it's good for their international prospects? Well, I mean, if you're looking at okay, Jack Byrne will feel bit aggrieved that he didn't get a call up to Martin O'Neill's squad considering Callum O'Dowda did but also we've had Killian Sheridan he's been around uh, a while he was in uh, Sofia he was playing I think in some Europa League action you had Darren O'Dee playing in Donetsk not for Shakhtar but their their cousins down the road Uh, and they were playing I think Europa League as well but during that time, I don't think either player were considered for any international, uh, you know, for international caps at that at that stage. Yeah, and I suppose you'd have to look at those um, decisions. Maybe as just a bit of an oversight. Maybe it's happening too often. I know we were just discussing the fact that there are some good scouting um, networks out there, you know, run by the FAI. But I suppose there are certain occasions when people just slip through. But in terms of uh, Richie Ryan, I mean, it's a it's a great great story to see someone like him going over there, and hopefully everything will work out. I mean, if you're playing good football, you know who knows what might happen. Uh, if you're making the headlines, you're going to be capturing people's attentions, and who knows when the call is going to come through from O'Neill, or even in terms of just furthering your club career, who knows when when that move is going to come. So. Yeah, I think moving further afield over to the NASL or the MLS, um, I think I think it's all good, really. I mean, um, I wouldn't consider it any more than I would going to the League One or League Two um, or a Championship, because um, obviously over in America and the NASL, 
I mean, there's a lot of problems with the culture of football over there at the moment. The, the, um, the, the positives, though, as Richie was saying, the good facilities that are there. But I think over here in Europe, it's still hard to judge where exactly that is. If you were to consider the NASL or even the MLS, which would be the top league in the States, it's hard to say where that would rank in European football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the facilities over there and um, the setup. It's fantastic, and there's a lot of money being poured into football at the moment over there. Um, so to see someone like him gaining that benefit and getting that exposure is great. But yeah, like you say, I mean, can you can it be compared to anything um, over here or, or or say in England? I mean, I suppose it's hard to say really. Yeah, perhaps maybe a little bit of a better lifestyle. Um and you know game time and maybe set a long term goals there but again it's it is as you said and international prospects will still have that question mark beside them trevor shamrock rovers suffered a disappointing 2-0 defeat to wexford youths at the weekend it's pat fenland's third year at the club and many fans have now questioned his ability to make them real title challengers are they right to be calling for his head or is a European finish all Shamrock Rovers should realistically be challenged for challenging for these days anyway? Well, I mean, you know, the fans are always going to be looking for something a bit better than, than what's being played there at the moment. Um, it's, they're always you know, going to be compared to that fantastic Michael O'Neill side that did so well getting to the Europa League group stages. No matter who comes in, no matter who's managing them, that's what's going to happen. Absolutely, um, and I suppose you know they have every right to do that. Um, this their club, and they want to see the good, the good times roll. Uh, they want to see the good times continue to roll. But the reality of it is that sometimes clubs go through rough patches. Um, but even looking at their most recent results, you know, before that defeat to Wexford Hughes, they they won their three three, three uh, league matches before that. So I mean, it's not all doom and gloom um, for them at the moment. Yeah. I- and, you know, they are, I suppose, I don't want to be offending any League of Ireland fans listening, but I suppose when you think of outside of Ireland, when you mention Irish football, domestic football, the first thing that football fans are going to say, oh, Shamrock Rovers, it's going to be the one team that they're going to recognise. And, you know, with that alone, that should suggest that Shamrock Rovers should be title contenders or should be at least challenging. Yeah, um, but then again, you know, when you look at the, the monopoly that Dundalk and, and Cork City have over the rest of the league, I suppose the reality of it is that it, it is going to be more difficult for everybody outside that to break into it. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of time, um, you know, considering how good those two clubs are and how much better they are than, than a lot of the other teams in the league. Mm. Maybe a European spot wouldn't be s- such a disaster Um and obviously, they're going to be pushing for that at the very least because they're such a big club. Um, but it's certainly not going to be easy for them, especially when you've got teams like Derry City, who, who just look like a, a team reborn this season. Um, so, I mean, yeah, um, it's, it's it's certainly not easy when you're up against teams like Dundalk and Cork. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. 
Yeah, it certainly will. Well, people complain when it's all Dublin domination and now people are complaining when it's an all Dundalk and Cork <laughs> domination. So it's very hard to please all the fans all of the time. Well, the FAI Cup second round is this weekend. There's a few non-league teams involved, but only one all-Premier Division clashes. Bohemians take on Galway United. Trevor, you'll be interested in this one. What about Galway? What are their chances of a good cup run or would you have preferred a- an easier second round clash? Uh, an easier second clash would have been nice. Um, Tommy Dunn, um, he's 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 really kind of transformed the club since he's come in. Um, but just looking at the uh, the FAI Cup second round match that they have against Bowes, um, I see no reason why they uh, why they wouldn't be able to push for the win there. Um, obviously, they have experience of of uh, um, making a deep surge in a lot of those cup competitions. Uh, like obviously last year they got to the final of the the EA Sports Cup so they do have that experience uh, in them Um, you know you mentioned the non-league teams obviously involved as well Um, these are the kind of competitions that those guys relish Um, especially you know non-league teams or teams going through a rough patch these are the moments that they wait for Um, we we mentioned the last time I was on the podcast that maybe some of the bigger teams don't take these kind of competitions as seriously as the rest of them so um, you know Galway would love to make a, a deep surge but when you doesn't matter who you're up against when it's a cup competition you know as the old cliche goes absolutely anything can happen yeah it certainly does I think it was uh, not too long ago they did a televised a televised special on I think it was Eden Derry on Soccer Republic I might be wrong in that uh, in the cup and it was great to see and the people behind the club and stuff like that so it is a real chance as you said Trevor for these these you know lower league teams non-league teams to, to get a bit of exposure and for people to realise who their local club is absolutely um, you know it's uh, it's uh, it's one of those um like I said, they relish these opportunities. So, you know, further down the line, they're going to be getting opportunities against the big guns. Um, obviously, we've only one Premier Division clash uh, involved this weekend. But keep pushing, keep getting those results. The further you get to the final, the more the, the expectation builds, the more the, the excitement builds, and the more the confidence grows within that team. And as you say, it, it it's good for a League of Ireland football because, you know, like you were saying, the, the people that don't know these matches are, are even going on or the people that, that aren't fully interested in their local team, when they see them playing good football and getting results, um, you know, it draws people down to the ground, it gets people talking about the league. So there's certainly a lot of merit involved in it and, um, you know, people should just get down to the games and, and, and watch them and get behind their, their local team because it really is, uh, really is magical stuff, you know, when, when you're involved in it. Yeah, FAI Cup, magical stuff for the non-league teams. It's going to be exciting indeed. Well, we're out of time here on the Goal Ireland podcast. My thanks to Goal Ireland's Trevor Murray and indeed Richie Ryan of Miami FC for joining us this week. Don't forget to check out at Goalcom Ireland on Twitter and we're Goal Ireland on Facebook. From all of us here and myself, Dave O'Grady, we'll chat to you soon. 